Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. It's great to be here with you today. Uh, I am the lead pastor here. If it's your first time, we're thrilled to have you here worshiping online. We're in a series called That's My Jam. So with no further ado, let me begin with a question for you. What is your jam? What's your jam? Maybe uh, it's, if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s, you might have a little, you know, boys to men in there, right? And you're walking through the store, you know, you may be walking through Target and you kind of hear a throwback and you're like, oh, oh yeah, right? And it takes you right back. A little Cooley High Harmony. Maybe it's Whitney Houston. Maybe uh, you're a little more current and you like, uh, you know, some Coldplay, Ed Sheeran. You know, maybe you're into Imagine Dragons. Whatever it might be, all of us know the power of a song or music to move us and to shape our mood and to kind of just change the way we feel in a given situation. We all understand that, even if you're not musical. I went and saw the, the latest uh, Top Gun movie called Maverick. And before the movie actually started, I mean, the movie technically started, but the screen was still black. Right? There was no, nobody was talking yet. There was no story development. You had the first just few notes of the Top Gun soundtrack, right? And they didn't try to do anything new or fancy with it. They just brought you back, right, with that original soundtrack. And, I mean, you could feel the whole energy in the room change as people were watching this movie as it was beginning. And I literally said under my breath, I said, this movie is already good. <laughs> and the guy next to me said, sure is, right? We both were locked in. And that's the power of it. And today, what we're going to do is not actually just look at just random music, but I want you to understand that the Bible is actually full of songs. It's full of jams, so to speak. And that, the, 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 that God intends for them to move our very spirit and soul. In the same way, right, that a song, it can shift and change your mood. The scriptures are designed to shape you and shift things inside of you. And literally, to adjust your spirit and soul and to change things on the inside. So with that, I want you to turn to Psalm 72. It's a lengthy psalm, and we're going to lean in today, and we're going to read the entire thing together. And I know the tendency for us in a moment like this is to begin to fade and to begin to, you know, you're beginning to think of school that's starting, grocery lists, all the things. I totally get it. But I also want to remind you today that the Word of God, it's alive and it's active. It's not a regular book. And it, it's designed to shape you and to change you and to do something fresh inside of you. Psalm 72 is David. He's most likely, you know, he's within the last few, you know, moments of his life. Um, could be months. Uh, we're not entirely sure the amount of time here. But, but Solomon, his son, is preparing to step into his shoes and to become the new king. And David writes Psalm 72, right? It's called a royalty psalm. There's only 10 in all the book of Psalms. And these are music. You know, this, this is music, and it's a gift, and yet it's not the kind of thing you'd go into your room and, like, read privately by yourself, you know, thanks, Dad, you know, for that little note that you left me. No, this would have been sang, sung, sang? This would have been sung 
at Solomon's <laughs> coronation as a king. And it pertains to things that we wrestle with. What are some things that you're questioning, that you're thinking about, even if you've never articulated it before? Ever just thought to yourself, like, what, what kind of life do I really want to live? What kind of man or woman do I want to be? What, what kind of parent am I? Am I a good son? Am I a good daughter? Am I just, am I doing a good job? Ever think about those things? Of course you do. I do. Sometimes too much, if I can be honest. But what David does here for us is he, 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 he gives us a picture of what it really looks like to be a good king, to be a good man, to be a good woman, to be a good king and queen. And that's where we find ourselves in Psalm 72. It's 20 verses. Buckle up. Take a sip of your coffee. Here we go. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. I love that. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. Okay, deep breath. We're going to keep going. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has, no, he has pity on the weak and the needy and he saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land and on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. I don't know what it is about that last sentence of finality, but there's, there's something about it when I just read David writing this, like, this is it, my final moments. My last psalm is coming to an end. Here it is. Bam, and it's done. And what do we see David writing about and ultimately a coronation song for his son? 
what is it that we see? We see a dad, right, who's, who longs for his kid, his boy, to do well. This is the heart that we see. And David is, is, is written about in the Bible as, as a man after God's own heart, right? And we're getting a picture. We're not getting this, you know, in examination where a point one, point two, point three on how to be a good king and how to be a good dad. And let's be honest, David struggled and wrestled with being a good king at times and also being a good father at times. And yet he's, he's literally the man that God chooses to bring blessing. And ultimately, Jesus is in the lineage of David. This is the guy that God chooses. And so there's much for us to look at. And even as David writes in Psalm 72, you're probably catching a little bit of the language that's not just about Solomon. It's about God's kingdom at large. Look at what we have here. We have a father. We have a son. We have um, that son who's the king of the Jews. We have a people, and we have a people who are being oppressed and in need of deliverance. Does this story or these details in any way sound familiar? Yes. The Father, the Son, Jesus, who's called what? The King of the Jews. And what did he come to do? To, to save God's people, to deliver them from a spiritual oppressor. So we see in Psalm 72 not only a picture of Solomon and his kingdom and the, the kind of kingdom that Solomon should aspire to, but we see a picture of the kind of king and the kind of kingdom that Jesus is and has. And so when we look at this and we read in the Bible, all of a sudden, I mean, I can't, let, let's be honest, I can read Psalm 72 and you probably can too and wonder, okay, that sounds nice, but what am I supposed to do with it? And maybe it's the Westerner inside of, of me that wants something pragmatic and I, I want something that I can just point one, point two, and kind of just, you know, insert into my life and beep, 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 you know, life equals better because I did this, right? And sometimes the Bible gives us that, sometimes it doesn't. More than anything, it's giving us a picture of God and His Son, Jesus, and why we desperately need Him. But in this moment, I have great news for you as well, because we see a few things that we can aspire to, to be the kind of good men and women, husbands and wives, fathers uh, and mothers, sons and daughters. We've got something to live up to in this moment. And so who, here's who's going to help us today. Because we're in a series called That's My Jam, well, it might be, uh, this might be news for you that the most successful female group in Western history, it is not Destiny's Child, as you might initially think. It is a little group called TLC. Now, before you check out and you start singing Waterfalls or Scrubs, Right, And if you don't know any of those songs or if you don't know who TLC is, you've got work to do. Go ahead. Don't do it yet. You can do it after, after service. But the acronym TLC is going to help us today, all right, in terms of how to become, right, the, the, the best kings and queens, the best royalty in God's house. 
What does the Bible say about you and me? It calls you a child of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, then you are a son or a daughter in God's house. That makes you royalty, which means that as David is encouraging Solomon to be a good king, in many ways, it's like the voice of Jesus calling out to us, the voice of God calling us to be good kings and queens as well. I want that. I want to be a good man, a good father, a good son. So here's where we go. T, as in TLC. To help us remember today, T, to live as royalty in God's house, you need to take the next generation with you. Right right where you're at, I mean, think about it, put it in your phone, write it down. Take the next generation with me. This is what a good king does. They don't just build a kingdom for themselves. They get others involved, specifically the next generation. We see David praying for his son. And I've got news for you. As much as I love our church, and as much as I love preaching, and I want to preach a great sermon and do great, and you know, I want all these things. I mean, I have goals just like you do. But you know what ultimately I want more than anything else? Without a doubt, if I'm at the end of my days and my children love the Lord their God and are following Him, what more can I ask for? I'm not going to be sitting on, the, on my deathbed wondering, man, I just wish I'd gotten a few more days in at the office. I'm not going to be thinking to myself, man, I wish I had put more in that 401k. You know, I just wish I had. I, if there was one thing I could change, I would have written a few more sermons. You know, like, <laughs> no, people aren't thinking that way. They're thinking about what they could have done and how they could have invested in their kids or the next generation. And even if you don't have children here and you're watching, I want you to understand to take the next generation with you. This isn't just about bloodlines here. This is about the next gen, those coming behind us, behind you, who need to have the baton of faith squarely put in their hands. Most family businesses, in fact, 70% of family businesses don't make it from one generation to the next. Fizzles out. You know why? I love this. In Forbes, I read this this week. The number one reason family businesses don't translate, don't move, from one generation to the next is one little thing, passion. The passion of the, of the one, the founding father, the founding mother or family member as they attempt to pass it to the next, right? They were unable to, 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 to get that passion, that initial passion that they worked so hard with and drove them and got this going and it, 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 it directed them. It's just not, pre it's not present in the heart of the next generation. And I can't sit here. I can't sit here and, and make my children passionate about Jesus. We can't do that for anybody at our church or in our community. But there are still things that you can do to help pave the way for those coming behind you. David is praying for his kids, for his son. My mother, Diane King, she will tell you, 
how, I mean, every day she prayed for me. She prayed for my sister. And she prayed for the spouse that we would one day meet. And I know I am standing on a foundation. I'm sure my dad prayed also, (laughs) but I know my mom did. And I'm standing on a foundation born out of prayer and sweat and, and, and tears spilled on my behalf. Are you praying for the next generation? Because it starts there. Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for the high schoolers and middle schoolers and the, the high point kids at, at our church in, in particular? Are you praying for them? Right? Are you giving some time and energy? We're, we're hoping to, in fact, let me rephrase that. We are going to right? Start our campus ministry again this semester at Kennesaw State University because we believe in reaching the next generation. And as students are walking through those doors, what are you doing? Are you knowing their name? Are you bringing value to them? Firming who they are? Are you you taking them out for a coffee? Inviting them into your home for dinner? Literally being the light of Jesus to them and investing in them. I haven't told you anything that is somehow, you know, just this this crazy thing that would be required of you. Yet it's amazing how quickly they're forgotten. And we simply just think that by existing and being around Christian things or faith-based things that people will get that, but they don't. They need you and they need interaction, they need engagement, and they need investment. Not only do your children need it, but so do the next generation of students walking through our church, walking through your neighborhood, walking through the halls of your kids' school. Take a moment, pray, and take the next generation with you. Secondly, L, we've got to love righteousness and justice. T, L, and in just a minute we're going to get to C. TLC. What we see here in Psalm 72, verse 1, Solomon is the recipient of David praying, and he says, Man, God, give this new king your justice. Oh, God, your righteousness to the royal son, his son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. In Psalm 89, it's written that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. That's what God's throne is literally built out of. Well, what is righteousness? Righteousness is your life being made right on the inside. You're living right. And justice is life being made right on the outside. And we see Solomon being exhorted here by David, we see throughout the Bible, cover to cover, God's concern for his people to have a heart for righteousness and justice. Why? Because these are the things that he cares about. If you want to live as good royalty in God's house, if you want to be a good king, a good queen, mom, dad, son, daughter, these are the things that our heart is to, that we're to be stirred by. To righteousness, that you would care about the condition of your life, that you would care about sin before a holy God, that you'd turn from it and you'd repent of it. You'd ask God to forgive you and thank God for his son Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and your sins. The true king, 
and also justice. That we would care enough about things being right on, on, on the inside and that we'd care about things being made right on the outside. That individuals other than ourselves would experience rightness, systems and structures, right? And literally governments themselves. Much of Psalm 72 is about governance. And that thing being filled with the righteousness and justice of God. And so these are things for us to care about, not to be apathetic towards, not to be indifferent towards, but they are, let me be very clear, it's hard work. But this is what it looks like to live as royalty in God's house. He gives us renewed purpose. He renews you on the inside. And then we are a part of bringing that renewal to all of creation and all of humanity. Um, a few, I guess, two years ago now, two and a half years. Forgive, I'm, I'm not, I forgot the exact time, but um, when there was so much pain and hurt and suffering, um, as we were working through the impact of George Floyd in our culture and literally around the world, one of the things that that happened in Kennesaw, this is very specific to our community, where were needed conversations to happen between the police department and our black community. And so by no gifting of my own, I want to be very clear that Andy does not become the hero in this story. I was privileged enough to be part of this. And the police department with the chief of police Black business leaders, people who own businesses, got together in a room. You're talking to several hundred people. And Andy was one of the pastors who got to help mediate and be part of this. It was a privilege. And the reason that we, they wanted to get together is because there was so much miscommunication, so much taint, uh, tension, so much pain that people had. And so we needed to get people in a room. And so that's what happened. And, and, and we're talking about justice now. What does justice look like in the earth? And long story short, you know, people wanted to know why are, are, is money from the police department being used in such a fashion, right? Why do we have what looks like battle tanks? Are we going to war, right? And in a time when there's so much tension, is this really what we want to be doing and spending money on it? Can't we be spending it on at-risk youth programs and this, that, and this, that? And really great ideas are being put forward. And one of the accountants for the department was, was so gracious. And they, and they brought this forward and they said, you know what? I love this idea. And this is going to create opportunities for us to make new laws and create new bylaws and all the different things, the systems and structures that exist in a community. But what they said is that this money that's used for this tank that appears one way is, is money that's confiscated literally from drug raids and drug busts. And by law, it's only allowed to be used in a certain amount of time for a certain list of things. Well, who knew? Nobody in the room did, right? In fact, some of the officers I don't think even knew, right? But it helped explain where people were missing each other by miles. And so the department had to spend the money and they had to spend it in a certain amount of time. So they got new vests, they got new cameras, and then they had this money spent. And they, so they, they built, they got this armored car, right, for the department. And it's more or less what they had 
to spend it on. But if they want, and if our community wants, to reappropriate those kinds of monies, then it requires us going and creating new systems and structures and law. Is that a part of pursuing justice? Yes, it is. Does it look like the justice sometimes that we have in our minds? No. Justice is hard work, pursuing it, being, making things that are crooked straight, making things that are unclear clear, making things that are broken whole, making things that are lost found. These are all aspects and a part of pursuing biblical justice. And so the privilege of getting two people, two parties in a room to talk, to speak graciously, kindly with one another, to be able to extend forgiveness, to work through problems, to work through where they're not seeing each other clearly. Does this create a more equitable and just world? I believe that it does. And so what does that look like for you? It looks like you being involved, literally in your community, in ways that allow for change. I'm not talking about you getting a Bible and going to a city council meeting. But I am saying that you would be aware enough, not just with your personal life, but you would be aware of what others are going through. And that you would bring, that you would work to bring wholeness to the lives of other people. That you would work to bring the road being made straight for those who've experienced something that's different than what you've experienced a crookedness, and that requires humility, hearing, grace, hard conversations. This is what it means, though, to love righteousness and justice. T-L-C. Here we go, our last bit. We've got take the next generation with you. Love righteousness and justice and see care for the oppressed. All throughout Psalm 72, we see David trying to stir the heart of his son Solomon to think of those who are less fortunate, for those who are going through a difficult time, for those who need deliverance, through those who are needy, the poor, those who are oppressed. David wants the heart of his son as king to be stirred on behalf of others. And I'll be really honest with you. This can be hard for me because like anyone, if it doesn't affect me, I don't think about it very much. That is part of the human condition, right? But to have a heart, to live as royalty in God's house, to be a son and a daughter of the Most High King and to now walk out my purpose as a king and queen. Your purpose is king and queen. Well, that means that I am no longer just thinking about me. I'm caring about the manner and the privilege that I have as God's son, right? I have experienced something in God's kingdom that I want everybody to experience. Now, ultimately, this is about poverty and this is about need and those who are oppressed and in deliverance. But I think we can also agree that there is a spiritual oppression. 
And then there is a spiritual deliverance. And the same heart that is broken for those who are oppressed by poverty, we should also have a heart that's broken for those who need deliverance spiritually, who are blind, who are broken, who are in fact oppressed. There's oppression on all sides. So to have a heart for those who are in conditions that are very different than yours, loving Jesus and having a relationship with him isn't just about you and you getting yours and you having a nice church service and a few worship songs and a great sermon that feels good. No, it is a heart that is stirred and broken for those who are lost, who are oppressed, who are in need. And you have something that you can do about it. Practically speaking, I, I am guilty. I'm telling you, I was this person who would grumble under my breath. And I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you that this is how I felt, but it is. You know, you'd see the person on the side of the road, and, it, you know, and I would just think to myself, it's just nothing but their choices that got them there. And why should I give my money to that person? But what, what, what happens when I read the Bible is I just don't ever see God's generosity being qualified. In fact, His generosity extended, it's extended to those who don't deserve it. Ultimately, me, you, everyone. And so who am I to qualify and always qualify? That doesn't mean there's never a conversation or some investigation that you want to do. Right, but there is a, there's a spirit, there's a quality, a, a, a grumbling and com complaining, a, a second guessing, a, a tightening of the wallet that can happen at times. And God has not asked us to hold on to what he's given us like this. He's asked us to hold on to it like this. To, who, he, to he who is freely given, to he who has freely received, fr <laughs> freely give. <laughs> there we go. I still got, didn't get it quite right. I think you're with me to give away what God has given you, whether that's financially, spiritually, all the above, our heart is to be stirred and broken for those who are in need to care for the oppressed. T-L-C. That's how we live as royalty in God's house. By the way, these are, these are great qualities for being a good dad, being a good mom, being a good boss, right? To have heart and eyes and care that function this way. This is how David prayed for Solomon. It's how I'm praying for you. It's how I believe Jesus is moving on our behalf, literally, before the Father in heaven as well. These aren't the only things, but make no mistake about it. They're very important. In fact, I think I can confidently say today that this is my jam. It's shifting and shaping something inside of me and helping me become who God has called me to become. I'm praying that for you as well. Take the next generation with you. Love righteousness and justice. Care for the oppressed. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for the royalty psalms. Thank you for the picture that we see of David praying for Solomon, God believing for him to become a great king. God, that 
we would become great men and women in your kingdom as well. God, help our hearts to be stirred to action. Help our hearts be stirred to repentance, God, to ask for forgiveness, Lord, to bow before you, Lord, the Holy One, the Righteous One. God, how dare we exalt ourselves before you? There's none like you in all the earth. Help us to love you and follow you with everything that we have, to take the next generation with us, to love righteousness and justice, and to care for the oppressed. Lord, we love you. Amen. Great to be here with you this morning, church. This is That's My Jam. This is the royalty psalm. And next week, we'll be right here for the last installment of the sermon series. That's my jam. We'll see you next week.